Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast. I'm journalist Jamie Wareham. And I'm Student Pride Press Officer Charlie Mathers. This month we're joined by author and former editor of Attitude magazine, Matthew Todd. I think for a lot of us, certainly it was the case for me and for quite a lot of people I know, that growing up with that much internalised shame, it really damaged my self-esteem. We spoke about his new book, Straight Jacket. Concept of the fuck it button in terms of maybe cheating if you have a partner, you know, you think, oh fuck it, I'll go and grind her. His eight year editorship of leading UK gay men's mag, Attitude Magazine. It, it, you can't edit a gay magazine without having some kind of investment in it, I think. And whether media ownership is getting in the way of activism. Oh god, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. I think it should be taught in schools. Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast, the show that keeps the pride of conversation that is our annual event, a discussion that carries on all year round. Every month we invite student pride speakers and supporters to come on the show to get to know them better and get their views on the topics the LGBT plus community wants to talk about, and sometimes those it doesn't. This month we're joined by the outgoing editor of Attitude, Matthew Todd. Welcome. So let's start with your book, Matthew, Straight Jacket, a book about gay shame, particularly looking at gay men, but also a book about mental health. Talk to us about gay shame. It's a big kind of loaded term, that gay shame. And I don't I have got a problem with it, but I, I didn't use it that much in the book just because I think it's so kind of, um, kind of uh, huge and a bit frightening to people. But I guess it's just uh, a growing awareness that for lots of us, when we realise we are LGBT+, plus, whatever we may be, when we are kids, something negative happens because we're told by everybody around us, often our parents, by the media a lot of the time, by politicians, you know, the terrible things we see happening all around the world, that we just we absorb lots of messages that to be who we are is not acceptable or dangerous to us or that we may be a threat to ourselves. And certainly for people, you know, and it was more in, 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 you know, generations gone by, but it still happens now a lot, of course. If you're actively told that there's something wrong with you, 
and you can't help that. You know, that's the way we are, I think. I don't believe it's a choice, personally. I know some people can choose to be LGBT or whatever, but, uh, I, you know, uh, I, I, for me, certainly, my sexuality wasn't a choice. It was something I had no control of whatsoever. And so I just thought, oh, my, my goodness, there must be something wrong with me. And I didn't really consciously think that. And I think it's that, that's, that's why some people have a, have a problem understanding it sometimes, I think, because... It's not like there's a conscious thought that, oh, I'm ashamed of being gay, although lots of people do have that. But I think most of us, thank goodness, move through that and get to a point where, you know, we might be involved with Student Pride, for instance, and go on Pride marches and engage with gay politics and understand consciously and intellectually that there's nothing wrong with being LGBT, of course, and that's the truth. But I I think for a lot of us, certainly it was the case for me and for quite a lot of people I know that there was this kind of subconscious wound that growing up with that much internalised shame, even though I wasn't conscious of it, really damaged my self-esteem. Yeah, and, and you know, I, and I was, I was going to say, I think what that touches upon is that, that element in the book where you, you've got the fuck it button. Yeah, the concept of the fuck it button is kind of a way to understand maybe some self-destructive behaviour. So, for instance, if you're, and I don't drink anymore, um, if um, when I did drinks, I would go to the GAY bar and I'd think, right, I'm going to go for one drink. And then I go, oh, I've had one drink. I just had that, that beer was lovely. And so I'll have another one and then maybe have another one. And then it'll get to, I don't know, 11 o'clock. And I think, OK, I've got work tomorrow. I should be going home. I should be responsible. But there might be some, you know, hot guys dancing around I might think oh there might be the love of my life might be here or I might or I might be having fun I might have you know who knows what will happen and so there's your voice in your head that's saying do the right thing go home be responsible you've got work tomorrow and it's that moment where you press the fuck it button where you go fuck it I'll stay I'll have another drink I'll have another two drinks and so and it can be appropriate to all to many many different things it can be I think you know um, in terms of maybe cheating, if you have a partner, you know, you think, oh, fuck it, I'll go on grinder. I shouldn't do it. Fuck it, I'll, I'll cheat on somebody. I'm not saying everybody does that. That's certainly not the case. Or sometimes, you know, in the heat of the moment, people who are drunk or high on drugs or whatever, or maybe not, that they're having sex with somebody and they, and they, they, they think they should be using condoms. They go, oh, fuck it, I won't use the condom just this one time. And that can can develop into a, a thing where you're just pressing that fuck it button the whole time where you're constantly having unsafe sex or regularly getting completely trashed and waking up in places you shouldn't be and getting yourself into dangerous situations or taking drugs. And we have these drugs at the moment which weren't around when I was when I, when I was your age, um, but they're really dangerous, you know, like G and methadone and crystal meth. That's something that you spoke about as student pride this year on your panel, actually, and I wanted to play you a clip back now. Will Young speaking on the mental health panel at student pride this year. I was a love addict, still am a love addict, addicted to porn, certainly addicted to alcohol, um, and, and it was because it was masking and, and, and aiding with a huge void. There's stuff that is very painful to deal with if it's been hoisted on one for years and years and years. You know, from the age of four I knew that I was gay, I came out at 21, that's a lot of years of shame being hoisted on me. And I will keep on coming back to shame because it's such a fundamental, such a fundamental thing. Um, until, until I could look at it, um, you know, I just kept on having sex to fill the void, looking at porn, shopping, anything. And I think the problem is that we are told that as soon as you come out, everything will be okay. And it's just not the case from the way that 
he's talking and describing what he felt, it seems that he experienced a lot of the symptoms that you would call the straitjacket. So how would you say someone could be gay and happy? So I, I think it's about getting to a place where you feel good about yourself. I think peace of mind is a, is a common thing. I think a lot of us who have anxiety disorders, your head can race and your thoughts can race and you, we can have what they call in recovery a washing machine head where your just head is constantly worrying, constantly catastrophizing. Everyone has that voice somewhere in their head that says, oh, you're not good enough. You know, you're ugly, you're this, you're that, you're the other. But when you have low self-esteem, that voice gets louder and louder and louder and it's always there. I think, you know, trauma therapy is really important as well and people who understand addiction and understand that you know i use this russian doll analogy that we're the, the the real person is the little baby doll in the middle you know the russian dolls we've got the different shells and things and so i think when you're traumatized for whatever reason you know straight gay whatever you know whatever may have happened to you and also other bad things can happen to gay people as well we can all grow up in poverty or have difficult relationships with our parents for different reasons there might be a divorce or there might be some kind of abuse so we're not immune to those things that other people suffer too but you have the traumatized traumatized child in the middle and then you might have drinking on top because you use drinking to get away from those feelings then you might have drugs or you might not have drugs you might might be sex you know constantly sleeping with people you know because you think it will make you feel better about yourself and it does in the moment and maybe that will last for a while or love addiction as Will talked about where you're going from one relationship to the next and can't bear to be single it might be bitching you know but there was a lot of gay men I certainly used to have this where it developed the kind of bitchy comedy persona as a way of you know um, maybe attacking people before you get attacked I didn't realize I was doing that but I, but I was so you have all these different kind of layers of kind of self-protection and it's all about keeping away from that little kind of person in, in in the middle, the little baby Russian doll who is the authentic person. And so in, in you know, hardcore uh, therapy for these kind of things, it's about stopping those behaviours, taking off those outer shells, so stopping the drinking, stopping the drugs, maybe stopping for a while the compulsive sex, whatever it may be, or the porn addiction or whatever, but then getting back to that kind of like little child in the middle and that authentic person and, 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 and dealing with whatever problems there are. And it's not easy, but... It's. I think a lot of people don't do it until things get so bad that they that they feel they've got no other choice, and that was probably the case for me. I would say. I was also quite enjoyed the Wizard of Oz analogies. Oh yeah. Um, and I wondered if you could explain the 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 thing you wrote. You know, quite near the end of the book about why you didn't like the "There's No Place Like Home." Why Why did that upset you uh, when Dorothy said "There's No Place Like Home"? It's about a young girl who doesn't feel uh, that she's loved by her family and she goes off outside she tries to escape and she ends up going to this colorful fantasy world to try and find what she thinks she's looking for which is love and it's really interesting in the film that all the different characters you've got the scarecrow who thinks he's stupid but actually if you watch the film he's the one who always comes up with the answers he's the one who works out how to chop the ropes when to get the witch and he's always thinking you've got the the tin man who um who thinks he hasn't got a heart yet he's always bursting into tears and he's incredibly emotional and so the 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 the, the ultimate um kind of message from the Wizard of Oz is that actually we do have the things inside of us that we think we don't. So we can spend our whole lives looking outside of ourselves for things. I want to be more attractive. I want to be fashionable. I want the best boyfriend or the best partner or the best job or the best house. But actually what we need to do is look inside of ourselves because what we're looking for to fill that void and to get that self-esteem is, is within us. If the fish swam out of the ocean and grew legs and they started walking Oh, I reckon it. First cover star, Sam Sparrow, bless him. And they started talking, and the stars fell 
picture that of me isn't it god i'm slimmer then blimey um it's been great it's been amazing it's such a privileged i mean i probably it's probably an amazing thing to edit any magazine but i think attitude has um a kind of significance um because you know it you can't edit a gay magazine without having some kind of investment in it i think because it it's not just it's, it's not like you're editing just i don't know woman's own nothing uh, nothing against woman's own it's an amazing magazine but you know, it really means something to people. Like you say, you know that there are young people buying it with a connection, you know, trying to find, you know, a sense of identity and older people too coming out. Um, and there's lots of people who've been reading it for many years who keep the copies, which is uh, something I see when I was doing my tour for the book around the country. Lots of people come up to me saying to me, oh, I remember this issue or I've got, you know, five years worth saved. If you feel that you're not spoken to much in ma- in the mainstream media and you've got you know, a magazine that you like, I suppose. I'm sure not everybody likes Attitude, of course. I know that's the case. But, you know, for those people who do, love them. I've been of the opinion, you know, the, the media is changing so much and there's more gay writers in the mainstream media and they cover gay things more, and that's definitely true. But just doing the publicity for my book, it's amazing how many, how much of the media are not interested, don't care. You know, when we did had Prince William on the cover... They all wanted to, to write and talk about it, but talk about, oh, it's, you know, the, the celebrity angle and the fact he's royalty and, oh, and David Beckham did it and did he take his shirt off and all that kind of thing. But virtually none of them wanted to talk about the reason he actually did it, which was about homophobic bullying and, you know, bi and transphobic bullying in schools. That must have been pretty amazing, right? Because he did write that incredible statement for you as well. Interviewing or meeting him at Kensington Palace was really special and exciting. And also I felt I really loved his mum, Princess Diana, who was the only person back in the day who talked about HIV and AIDS and and wasn't saying that gay people were disgusting as it seemed, seemed to me at that time in the 80s that everybody was saying it, except for her and Madonna. So I, I was really touched. I could really feel the connection. You know, he looks a lot like her as well. And it was really lovely that it was the first time I remember the Royal Family explicitly uh, engaged with you know, a gay magazine and gay stuff, LGBT people, and said, you know, condemned uh, LGBT-phobic bullying, which was an amazing and historic thing. So, yeah, it was really moving, really powerful, a real privilege to be there. And we, t- we took nine LGBT people there to, dis- to talk about their experience of bullying and how it affected them. And it was and people, you know, that some of his staff were in tears and I was quite emotional at one point. Other people there were a bit teary because they were talking about sensitive things and, yeah. and we could really feel the fact that it was a historic thing to do. Yeah, which absolutely. Which was great. And, and uh, you know, the, the, there is this statement in it, I'm just going to pass it over to you as well, because uh, for me, when I was reading this, I'm not a royalist at all, but it really struck a chord with me about how, you know, that's such a powerful message. And I was wondering if there was a, a bit of it in particular that really stuck out to you. I think no one should be bullied for their sexuality or any other reason. That's an obvious thing to lots of people. And I can see why, you know, some people might think, well, well, who cares? Why is that a big deal? But actually, for a member of the Royal Family, the highest institution in this country, for a family that has such you know, huge connections with the Commonwealth and many countries where um, it's illegal to be LGBT, you know, uh, you know, a connection with the empire that has caused so many of these problems around the world. To have him say that is a really powerful thing. And it's not that I'm sitting here going, oh, I'm so grateful because, you know, perhaps it should have happened a long time ago. You know, the world is in a terribly imperfect place. But it was, yeah, it was. I was I'm glad that it happened. And I hope that, you know, it's the beginning of perhaps the royal family's relationship with us as a community. And I think, you know, some, a lot of people are, it might not mean that, that much to, to some of us, and I totally get that, but 
uh, you know, for people who are maybe perhaps more conservative or perhaps older who have been homophobic and who respect the royal family as many conservative people do, to see him who will be, you know, probably the future king of England and, and, and the UK, say, you know, bullying people because of their sexuality is wrong is a big thing. And it might, hopefully it might be, I'm sure it would may, have made some people think, you know, the world is a terrible place, to be absolutely honest with you, but it is creeping along slowly in the right direction. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Now, Matthew, you've been a prominent voice, longtime supporter of student pride chairing panels year after year. So, though you're bowing out of attitude and you've released your book, I feel like you won't be disappearing. But I'm particularly interested in your thoughts on media ownership. Does it lead to big concerns and activism being thwarted? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I think it's really important. I think it should be taught in schools. You know, media ownership is so important because people... It can sometimes be sound patronising because lots of people do understand all this, but lots of people don't. And I didn't understand it. And it's actually taken me a long time to just understand exactly the way the media works. You know, when you see a newspaper... Someone, editor, editor, or an owner, or whatever, has made a decision about you know what they think should, is the most important story, what message they want to send to the public. So they all. So if you look at when you see the papers come in late at night on the BBC News Channel or whatever, and you see the different takes on the news, you know it's not like the news is definitive. It's it's filtered through people. For a good example would be when the Orlando terrible Orlando shooting happened, and the Daily Mail didn't put it on the cover, even though the Daily Mail are obsessed by terrorism. You know any thing linked with terrorism they will make you know write about it a lot and often put it on the front page but you had this shooting which was uh i think it wasn't it the um the worst mass shooting in american history and the and the biggest loss of life from terrorism since 9-11 and yet they didn't put it on the cover so someone made that decision not to do that why did they make that decision so and sky news didn't lead with it until long after everyone else i was listening to the coverage oh, right. um all day um the sky news radio bulletins the queen's birthday was above 52 people being killed in America. Right. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, and and you know everything that we read, even uh, and hear about, and that informs our conversations, even though we don't think it's the case, it does come, you know, through the media, and that means it's filtered through different people's political opinions. And most of the people who own the media are very rich and very right wing and very conservative, and they want to tell you how to think and present things in a certain way. And I'm sure many people argue the Guardian does the same, but. It's really important that people know that because, for instance, climate change. I think with the 14th month in a row, we've had record-breaking temperatures. Not just hot, record-breaking. So it's going up and up and up and up and up. There's record temperatures dropping all over the world. We're in deep trouble. Scientists are telling us we're in terrible trouble. David Attenborough says there may be disaster on a global scale. Stephen Hawking says the planet may not be livable and we might need to leave the planet and go to Mars. Yet the media don't care. 
And Theresa May has just shut down one of the climate change department, I think. Um, and, and, but if the media were doing their job, she wouldn't be able to do that because everyone would be informed about it and everyone would be angry about it. And if people were informed about it, I think they'd be on the streets because, you know, I think we're in deep, deep trouble. And I think it's more important than LGBT rights. I think it's more important than um, refugees. I think it's more important than immigration. I think it's more important than pretty much everything. I think it's got the potential to to bring all of that stuff down, to you know, to, to bring us all down. And I, I'm, I'm feeling quite negative about it because it's, it's frightening. It's really frightening. But Media representation of climate change is incredibly important, though, because yeah. the average person doesn't sit there and read through all of the scientific reports to get the facts. So they no. rely on the media to understand what's going on. And also, as the media is changing, there's less journalists, there's less money, there's less advertising. So you don't get as many journalists who've got the time or the jobs to actually go out and report things properly. I am interested in, you know, we've actually the LGBT media in the UK, um, which, you know, our audience is specifically more concerned with, has gone through a lot of changes. Diva has just changed hands as well. Um, I'm wondering, are these all good signs for the media ownership, the fact that people are interested in taking over publications? I think Jane, who edits Diva, is great, and um, I really wish them all the success in, in the new company. I think Diva's an important magazine. It's impo- really important. There's a, there's a, 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 a yeah, a lesbian magazine. Um, who knows? I mean, yeah, it can be great because um, it's Square Peg who, who who own it now, isn't it? So I, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for them, and I really hope that you know they. I think when you get a magazine like that, you can, you know, often people will just let it carry on as it is or maybe they might have um, new ideas and want to put money into it and you know they might expand it or they might do this and they might do that but you know who, who knows it can go it can go any any way I've seen lots of different magazines go under do you know of all types go under new ownership sometimes it's a really great thing and sometimes it's a terrible thing who knows I mean I wish them the best you know I wish all of them the best uh, you know I I have respect for you know we're a kind of it's an, you know, a niche market. There's not a huge amount of resources. There's, you know, we don't, as from what I understand, you know, Gay Times as well, as well as Attitude, they don't have as many staff as they would do if they were a mainstream straight magazine and people work really hard to produce those publications. So I have, you know, respect for them yeah. all. And what about your feature? Because Yeah, there's been a lot of reshuffling. <laughs> I'm going into obviously. space. <laughs> obviously, become an astronaut. you've got, you're not at Attitude anymore, so... Where yeah. will we be seeing you and what will we be seeing from you? I don't know, to be honest. Because I got... get the feeling that you'll carry on as a big campaigning voice because that's that's where you've been. Um... Yeah, I don't know, really. I'm not sure about that. I, 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 it, it's really exhausted me writing the book. Yeah. Um, and there were times when I thought I want to come, you know, shooting out of the cannon and just, you know, change everything. And I've realised that's really difficult. And who knows, you know, letting the book go out there and people buy it. And I know, you know, someone tweeted at me today about... Um, how moved he'd been made it made him cry and joining the growing numbers of people who are grateful to me which is really lovely and touching the book will have a bigger wider impact if lots of people read it and i hope that people read it not because i want people to buy my book but because i think there are things that we need to change we need you know there's lots of the book is critical of us too and myself included you know we're not nice to each other a lot of the time you know a lot of people have bad experiences in gay clubs in the gay community a lot of people got you know uh gripes about other gay people and I talk about why that why that is why that happens we're a minority why we have a real problem with racism which is deeply distressing and upsetting that we come from a minority group we are a minority and yet we can be so incredibly horrible and racist and nasty to to people who have different ethnic backgrounds um and actually you know what I, there's you you end your editor's letter 
with a very nice quote. We're saved only by love, love for each other, and the love that we pour into the art we feel compared to share. Yeah, it's about being nice to each other in the end of the day, and that's not very um, fashionable. This is just a study, actually, since the book came out, saying the key to happiness is connecting with other people and feeling part of a society, and I think that's one of the problems that we have. You know, we say, oh, there's no gay community anymore. Well, let's make it happen then. Let's do it. Let's be responsible for it. With thanks to Matthew Todd for joining us today. This has been the National Student Pride Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen on the go with Audio Boom, or listen on GayStarNews.com. GayStarNews, GayStarNews. Don't forget to tweet at Student Pride and let us know what you think of the show. See you next month. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volur xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.